This episode of the Bloody Vegans podcast is brought to you by Veg One from the Vegan Society. Veg One is the nutritional vitamin and mineral supplement designed for vegans by vegans. Launched back in 2005 and rebranded in 2021 with a fantastic new plastic-free package, Veg One provides nutritional support alongside a healthy and balanced vegan diet all for an affordable price. With a six-month supply available for just £12.70, Veg1 will cost you little over £2 a month and offers EU Nutrient Reference Values, or NRVs, of vitamin B12, D3, iodine, selenium, B2, B6, and folic acid. Veg1 is chewable, it's affordable and reliable. You can take it once a day. It's available in fantastic orange and black currant flavours super easy and convenient, completely plastic free. So why not head over to vegansociety.com, search for Veg One, and take your next healthy steps into the world of veganism. This is a Bloody Vegans production. Hello, my name's Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be traveling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this for a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric and this week is no different. This week I spoke to Jules Forey-Jones. Uh, Jules is a, a former veganuary participant, um, part of our veganuary stories series. This is the second to last one uh, for the month of January. I just just noticed actually, just as an aside, um, I got a, a notification through the other day um, saying that v, the Veganuary uh, 2022 campaign has seen a record number of signings. 600,000 people had signed up uh, on the website to participate in Veganuary, which is truly, truly incredible stuff. So hopefully we're moving the needle um, and if, if you are new to veganism and, and come to this podcast for a bit of advice, um, then welcome. I hope you enjoy it. There's loads of loads of episodes that might be of interest to you. Um, anyway, let's get back to it. So yeah, Jules was a former veganary participant. She was also a graduate at Chef Day Radley's um, Vegan Chef School. You'll remember Chef Day Radley from a previous episode um, doing some incredibly pioneering work over there. Um, so we, we talk a little bit about that. We talk about Jules's journey, how veganery played a part, and just have a general, general lovely chat. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, without further ado, here's a conversation between me and Jules Forey-Jones. was an avid meat eater back in um, uh, sort of up until 2015 I loved rare steaks sushi sashimi um, and then literally I I read a book and went vegetarian overnight so I've, I've kind of approached veganism through the vegetarian route initially as I think probably a lot of the vegans do um, yeah it was literally a book that changed my perspective on everything and I read the whole thing in one evening um, and woke up veggie so 
that that yeah. was kind of um, my first step into the world of plant-based food and, and eating and lifestyle. And I was veggie for a year and a half, then came across Veganuary. I think it was on, on Facebook that I saw a few adverts for it and thought, do you know what? It's only a, a step further than vegetarianism. I'd kind of seen a couple of documentaries at this point as well. Um, the Usual Suspects, things like Forks Over Knives and um, uh, Earthlings. And I decided to do Veganuary 2017. I went in all guns blazing, you know, I wore the wristband and everything. And... Um, I just I realised that it, it really wasn't that much harder than being vegetarian. I think because I'm a really avid cook as well, um, it, it was really mm. easy to adapt to vegan food because I love being creative in the kitchen. So it was just a new challenge for me, really. Um, it was challenging on the, the people front, and in particular friends and family. Um, I've got a lot of French family in there that really don't understand you know, okay. veganism, let alone well, vegetarianism, let alone veganism, I should say. And they were very concerned and kind of thought I'd gone a bit loopy. Um, so that, that was a bit of a challenge for a couple of years. But since then, I've really come into my own. I think um, during lockdown, I took that as an opportunity to sign up to the Vegan Chef School of Excellence with uh, Chef Day Radley, who I think you've actually spoken to on oh, one of your, your yeah. previous shows. So I did that. that yeah. Was, uh, yeah, it took about six months to complete the, the chef diploma. And then I got so interested in, in the Vegan Chef School that I did another course as well, the Vegan Nutrition Diploma, which, um, again, a lot of questions that people ask vegans is about nutrition and, you know, where do you get your protein from, where do you get your iron from, your B vitamins, mm. etc. So just having that as, a, as an actual qualification to back me up when I'm having those unfortunate arguments. <laughs> but, so that, that's been great. I also started an Instagram account um, just taking pictures of everything that I eat because obviously you know meat eaters sometimes say what do you actually eat and it's easier to just show them and try and talk them through uh, what you can and, and don't eat um but yeah so I've gone from yeah from meat eater to vegan and I think well so five years vegan one and a half veggie before them what was the what was the book out of interest that triggered um, all of this it was skinny bitch by Kim Barnowin I think and Rory Friedman right Right. And what was the message that particularly resonated? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, the, the reason I read the book in the first place, I was house-sitting for a friend and I couldn't get her TV to work, so I was like, OK, I'll have to read a book. Um, <laughs> I picked up this book because it had um, quite sort of tongue-in-cheek title, obviously, and it didn't really claim mm. make any claims to be about veganism or vegetarianism. It was just about um, weight management, basically. So I read it, um, okay. and it kind of it, it starts off with an introduction. The, the obvious things that you think about, like you know, fats and sugars and exercise, um, but then it started talking about dairy, the effects on the body of dairy, um, animal fats, and then out of nowhere, this this chapter about abattoir workers. So there was actually excerpts from I think it was called mm -hmm. Memoirs of an Abattoir Worker, and. It was it was frankly shocking. It was absolutely horrific. And these were memoirs that came from abattoir workers across the world, different sort of sizes of farms, etc. Um, it just really kind of hit home that there's no such thing as this mythical McDonald's, you know, um, you know, farm where all the animals are treated really well and they have a very happy life and death. Mm. Um, yeah, that that was the chapter that really shocked me and kind of gave me a bit of a kick up the backside to do something about it. I realised that I have a choice. Um, so, yeah, read the whole book in one evening, woke up the next morning, 
vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. And and at the time, obviously, you know, you mentioned you went vegetarian pretty much immediately after reading that book. And I can kind of understand reading reading some of those kind of shocking accounts. Veganery obviously came along a little bit later, and you mentioned there's a lot of documentaries along the way. Was it a bit of a surprise to you when you started to learn about dairy and eggs and these other aspects of, of um, uh, you know, that make up the, the, the kind of gap between vegetarianism and veganism? Yes, definitely. I think when I went vegetarian, I, I mean, I, I loved cheese and I enjoyed eggs and I thought, you know, this is a compromise really. But my view was that yeah. which a lot of people have, which, which is that, that dairy and eggs are a byproduct um, a natural byproduct. The animals aren't yeah. harmed in the creation and, and the production of it, which is, of course, not the case. And the more I researched, the more I saw documentaries, the more reading I've done on my own account, um, the more I've realised that's absolutely not true. That's something that we're led to believe that you know cows just create milk um, because they're cows. Um, I didn't realise that the cow had to be pregnant or nursing in order to create the milk. Mm. And then the same with hens you know the fact that hens are pumped with all kinds of chemicals to make them produce more eggs um that they're led to live very cruel cruel circumstances cruel environments um that again i just kind of brushed under my own little carpet i think i didn't want to think about mm. it um, but when i realized the scale and the fact that it's not just the odd big farm in i don't know in another country that i don't want to think about that's being cruel and, and keeping animals in these conditions it's actually much, much more widespread and large scale than that. Um, yeah, that, that really hit home to me and I, I realised that I was, yeah, if I was going to do the right thing, then I needed to do, you know, go the, go the whole way and go vegan. And how about veganery? What, why, why veganery? Why was that the, the sort of the jump off point for you? I think it was a combination of things. It was... Um, new new year new resolutions fresh start i think it's a good time of year to try something different or something that you might see as being a bit restrictive um so i think the timing was good i saw i think it was some adverts on facebook that that mentioned the community feel to it the fact that you get support Mm. you get um, updates you get recipes and you're able to join communities um of like-minded people who are in a similar situation so that made it feel a lot less isolating than just doing it myself um, and that support from Big Annuary was, was amazing it was instrumental to me firstly trying it in the first place but then actually realising do you know what I might as well just keep doing this because I quite like it so yeah Did you know any other vegans before you started Big Annuary in real life? <laughs> in real life um, so my best friend has actually been <laughs> vegan um, for quite some time I think she went vegan back when right. at uni and that was for health reasons for her. Um, but then the more that the more that she's been involved in vegan communities and um, and other meeting other vegans, she started to really think of it from the animal perspective and the environment perspective as well. Um, and then through her, I know a couple of other vegans. Um, I, I knew them before doing Veganuary, but actually since since doing Veganuary, I've met loads more, but not actually directly through Veganuary, <laughs> just because people are becoming vegan. Um, a lot more than they, they used to, it seems. What what was your perception? I mean, obviously, they, they were friends, so you, you obviously had a pretty good relationship with them, but what was your perception of veganism, vegans, prior to kind of making these shifts? 
Back when I was a, a full-blown meat eater, I had um, a bit of a negative attitude towards vegetarians and vegans. Um, I just couldn't get my head around what it was that they actually ate. And as I mentioned, I, I loved steak. I loved sushi, sashimi. Those were kind of my favourite things, and I'd have those at least once a week, and cheese. Um, and so for my best friend, I think particularly in the beginning when she started the vegan diet, she you know, struggled a bit. Um, sort of knowing what to eat and um, obviously mm. as time's gone on and we've become more into cooking and, and that side of things it's, it's just become a lot easier but my perception was why would you do that to yourself <laughs> and and also I think just this attitude of if you're doing it for the animals or for the environment then you, you know you're just one person you're not going to really make a difference um, so why bother why deprive yourself of right. something that you enjoy And things have obviously shifted in that particular regard. Talk, talk to me a little bit about that, because that's quite a, a shift, and it's quite a common one that, I, that I've heard insofar as people feeling like pretty powerless and then feeling quite empowered when they when they make this shift. Was there a particular thing that, that for you made you feel like actually it does make a difference, that as an individual I've made this choice? Yeah, I think numerous things. I think firstly the fact that the movement itself is growing so much and so successfully, seeing more and more people um, taking up Veganuary and actually becoming vegan, seeing more and more restaurants offering vegan options. Um, also, just, just walking down, down the high street and you know, every, other, every other restaurant's got some, something vegan advertised in their window, just seeing the movement grow and grow really successfully and fast, seeing more and more people joining Veganuary every year. Um, more restaurants getting involved, providing uh, vegan options and advertising, you know, quite openly that they're, they've got vegan options, new vegan recipes, vegan dishes. Um, and just seeing the V word a lot more in general made me realise that it isn't, it isn't such a tiny movement that, you know, just a handful of hippies are trying to change the world, that it was actually... And it's not just, you know, when it comes to those vegan options in restaurants and stuff, it's not just vegans who who um, benefit from those the more people that are making those options and just incorporating those into their day more they are making a difference maybe not the biggest difference that they could make but they are making a difference so I think seeing that I was part of a movement um, really helped me to, to, to change my mind on that you know you're just a drop in the ocean a point of view that I had originally but I think also just kind of being a bit stubborn um, you know with the adversity that I was getting around, you're not going to make a difference. Um, just kind of being like, well, do you know yeah. what? It's a personal choice. It's a choice that I have. And I owe it to myself and to the animals and the environment to just make that choice and stick to it, really. Absolutely. A, a fairly common experience that folks have, and, and you just sort of, as you were talking there, it reminded me of that experience, is being quizzed by friends and family over various things and challenged uh, sometimes about nutrition, sometimes about the environment, sometimes about animal welfare, but you suddenly are, there's kind of an expectation that if you've made this shift, you have to be an expert in all things. Um, and you should know absolutely every statistic and every piece of information related to all of that stuff. Was that your experience? And, and if so, how did you kind of cope with that? 
it was my experience. I think I can safely say I've probably heard it all, um, all the, the kind of catalogue of questions um, <laughs> that I think we're, we're used to as vegans from where do you get your protein from, where do you get your iron from. Um, people will hear um, that vegans don't get their B vitamins and that it give them like mental deficiencies or, or like, uh, men, you know, cerebral deficiencies. And it's, it's amazing. Um, how many people seem to, to think that vegans don't get any protein or iron or, or B vitamins, um, despite the fact that you know protein and, and iron are pretty easy to get on a, on a vegan diet at least. Um, also, the whole caveman argument—that's uh, you know, people seem to forget about evolution <laughs> when they they suggest that we should eat how cave people ate. Um, and then the argument that if we didn't kill these animals, they would take over the world. That's that's probably my favourite in terms of most ridiculous. <laughs> Um, but how did that start? Yeah. I, I think in the beginning, to be honest, I didn't handle it very well. I think I was quite surprised by mm. how confident people were in sort of initiating arguments, shall we say, <laughs> um, when you know really yeah. my decision didn't impact them in any way. But they were pretty convinced that you know it was their prerogative to really sort of put me on the spot um, and, and try and catch me out with. With their questions so in the beginning I didn't handle it as well as I could have done um, I think I was just a little bit taken aback and maybe on the defensive um, um, to the point of you know sometimes maybe even getting a, getting a bit angry if it's like the fourth person that day that's asking me yeah <laughs> asking me these kind of questions yeah um, when I really just want to be left alone and eat, eat my eat my food in peace um, but I got better mm. at it I think I realized firstly that you know, the best way to get people round to your point of view is to, to just kind of empathise and be positive and be um, be generous with your time and, and responses. But then I, I did also have to do quite a bit of work on educating myself on all of these topics. And um, Earthling Ed in particular mm. has been an amazing resource um, for me. I mean, he's even put together like full, full-blown guides on how to respond to um, questions mm. around veganism, the common questions and what the best way is to respond to those questions in a, in a kind of almost like a coaching kind of way of getting people to think about um, their own perceptions and behaviours. Um, but then, of course, doing the nutrition course as well has really helped me because now I do yeah. kind of have a bit of a body of referenceable information from reputable sources um, that, you know, if you direct someone to a, a, some research from a, a major food standard authority for or food authority for example that they can't really dispute um then that's helpful to have in the back pocket as well and how about overcoming some of those kind of cultural changes and those cultural differences you mentioned with with a lot of your family uh come from a french background and you, you know i think that it's kind of widely sort of known what the sort of french cuisine is quite uh meat dairy heavy um, and veganism is perhaps not quite as as uh, hasn't quite as flourished as well as, apart from in the sort of major cities in in France or at least that's the that's the narrative. Some some folks in over in France might might correct me, but how, how did you kind of cope with um, with that kind of element where perhaps it's not necessarily about reasoned argument, but about actually a, a, a essentially a cultural viewpoint that is different to yours. Yeah, that has been challenging, and I think particularly because um, a lot of my kind of older family in, in France, they're quite traditional and, and very much have grown up 
their entire lives with exactly the kind of cuisine that you mentioned they're very dairy heavy everything's cooked in butter you have meat or fish at every meal um and even just having one vegetarian dish a day would be seen as quite <laughs> radical or you know you have to be on some kind of right. diet or something um but how, how have i overcome it i mean oh, to be honest i don't think i really have um yet i think particularly um <laughs> uh, my my older relatives in in france i think ev- every time i speak to them um whether it's over um over the phone or, or in person the vegan thing will always come up and they've they've, they've just not right kind of got they've not got over it even though it's been five years um my parents my, so my mum's french and yeah i mean she she kind of alternates between accepting it and actually quite enjoying the challenge of cooking vegan food when i visit um to yeah every now and again having a bit of a kind of uh, yeah struggling again or going back to sort of asking me why and you know, aren't you missing this don't you think you're missing out etc so so I, yeah i think um I, I'm not sure if I have actually overcome those cultural differences just yet. <laughs> have you seen any shift in either their perce- their perspective or any any other of your your kind of friends family who who've, who've put up some resistance in the last kind of five six years? Because it's kind of interesting to me that you know you mentioned it early on about the the sort of the the rise of veganism and it made me think of kind of tipping points. You know this idea that. Uh, once we get to a certain tipping point in terms of the perception of it, in terms of the number, the number of us, then other people who are perhaps sat on the fence might think, "Oh, do you know what? There is probably some sense in this." Have you seen in your, you know, your experience from those friends and family any shift in that kind of 2015 through to now 2022? Yeah, I think back in in 2015, it, the world was a, quite a different place. I think the sort of vegan and vegetarian, particularly vegan movement was not really mainstream. Um, it was quite fringe. And I think that meant that, um, you know, those people who were objecting to it or, or struggling to understand it, um, they they tended to sort of find it a lot easier to confront me about it. Whereas now I think the sheer volume, like you said, the tipping <laughs> point, the fact that you hear about veganism, you know, my, my grandparents, they'll even, even in the sort of quite... Um, more traditional magazines and things that they get there will be an article every now and again about vegetarianism or veganism which they never used to mm. be which I think helps them to realise that I am not the only one and that it is, a, it is a really quite big and growing movement and that if this many people are doing it and you know they haven't shriveled up and died um, or you know gone off to join a commune or, or whatever which is I think what they were expecting <laughs> to happen either of those things to happen to me um that they are just becoming more accepting and I think that will only increase I, I certainly don't see um, tolerance towards veganism decreasing particularly as the, the number of veganism increases it, It's interesting to me you, you know you, you're obviously going on the, the nutrition course as you say with um, Chef Day Radley and uh, the Vegan Chef School which obviously they're doing phenomenal work and still relatively well, it's pioneering. It's not even relatively; it is pioneering. There aren't there aren't many others doing similar things out there in in that kind of vegan space. And obviously, you went on the nutrition course, which I'm particularly kind of interested in from the point of view of your motivation for doing that. Did did you have concerns almost, or or want to at least solidify your your understanding 
uh, of the nutritional aspect of it, you know, to feel extra kind of confident in your, your lifestyle shift? I didn't have concerns as such. I think it really was a case of having that that bank of knowledge that I could refer to if I do get resistance, mm. especially around the nutritional side of things. But also I've been thinking about my sort of longer term um, career path, what I might end up doing in you know a few years' time, right. maybe sort of... Um, maybe potentially part-time or, or, or whatever initially but I'm really really curious about the concept of, of advising people um, people who right. are looking to make the transition into being vegan who might not have the knowledge or resources um, or kind of creativity in the kitchen that that um, with a bit of support could make the whole process a lot easier and more enjoyable for them so so having done so I completed the, the vegan chef diploma so that was really around meal creation and recipe creation and then sort of tagging on the nutrition course as well that would enable me to to kind of put together meal plans recipe plans um, that meet people's nutritional requirements and specific individual requirements as well because obviously everyone's different yeah Um, so that's kind of somewhere i'd like to explore in the future in terms of maybe a, a bit of twist to my to my career path was there was there anything you got out of those courses that actually was was really new news to you in terms of I mean obviously I imagine it all, all was to some extent but was really new news to you in terms of I actually I need to tweak this in my own kind of diet yeah so a couple of things that I found really interesting that I had no idea about so um a couple of things that are actually suggested by I think it's Michael Grieger in his book how not to mm. die um tips like how to prepare your cruciferous vegetables in a way that really maximizes the nutrition that you get so i obviously knew not to boil uh, the life out of my vegetables but um, a couple of tips on just you know chopping your cruciferous vegetables an hour before you cook them and the fact that that prevents loss of nutrition um also just exploring other um types of, of sort of health cuisine really like raw um vegan i think learning just how much nutritional value gets depleted from from vegetables mm. when you do heat them in any way um i've just started adding a lot more raw vegetables and fruits into my diet which i didn't have before even just like throwing a courgette into a, a dressing just blending it yeah. up and using it as a salad dressing then i've got a raw courgette in my diet for the day um but things like that that i think really small easy changes that just maximize the amount of nutrition that you get i think before i was just kind of trying to get my five a day and make sure that I didn't forget to take my B vitamin supplements. Um, whereas now I'm kind of trying to push to towards more and more like 10, 12 a day um, and maximising everything that, like com- combining foods that maximise each other's nutritional value as well. It, it sounds like going going right back that, you, you know, as you mentioned, you, you really enjoyed at the time steak, sushi, sashimi, these kind of, these kind of dishes. How have you found your your palate changed, and was that quite difficult to to overcome at first? Did you did you have a bit of a tussle between your taste buds and your ethics, or was it was it all you know pretty pretty smooth in terms of the transition? I was actually quite surprised how easy it was. I thought because I did, I've always been a massive foodie and I love flavors, and I thought yeah, I'm going to really miss out on certain things that I I used to enjoy, but I think kind of compartmentalizing those memories in my mind of just being like right okay I really ha- I had a really good steak one time I enjoyed it but that's a memory now I don't need to do it again um I can actually <laughs> um, 
I can actually explore and enjoy completely new things. Um, I think, you know, well, the, I think it's 20,000 different types of edible um, vegetables and, and plant-based foods out there. So, you, you know, you, I'm making completely different dishes every day, which is, is really exciting. And then doing the professional chef course um, as well was, was an eye-opener in terms of, of understanding flavours. So the flavours and tastes and uh, things like umami. Um, and we, we recreated some, some quite um, interesting dishes. We actually recreated sushi um, as part of the course using like tomatoes and smoking machine and really trying to mimic the textures of sushi and using seaweed as a, as a flavouring if you want to get that fishy flavour. So I actually find it really more fun and interesting trying to replicate those things that I used to enjoy and then enjoying the alternative um, than kind of, you know, feeling like I'm missing out. Yeah. If, if you had your time again, you went back to the start of your vegan journey. Is there anything you'd, you'd do differently looking back now with the knowledge you've got? And I guess that also forms a good bit of advice for, for folks who are kind of listening to this, perhaps because there's veganuary in the title and they're thinking about their, their first steps into this world. Yeah, I think I, I would probably educate myself a bit about um, what to expect in terms of the, the, um, the resistance that I would get from friends and family or just meeting new people, colleagues, etc. when they find out that you're vegan or you're doing veganuary, just maybe having a read through Earthling Ed's resources um, and just kind of being psyched and prepared for it, but also just to remember um, to be diplomatic and patient and and respond in a graceful way, even if it's starting to get a little bit uh, a bit draining. Make make time for make time for yourself as well. If you don't, if you've had enough of, of people sort of asking you questions, then just make sure I would say just make sure you step away from the situation and just have a bit of a chill out and. But just keep reminding yourself why you're doing it as well. And I think that's why Veganuary is so helpful because you're getting literally kind of um, spoon-fed information and resources and recipes that you can't really go wrong with. Um, and, and also the fact that there are so many great new um, uh, options out there as well. If you're out and about and wanted to eat something vegan, you don't have to cook everything at home. There's, there's so much out there now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely right. That that point you made there about, you know, preparing yourself for the conversations you're going to have, I, I mean, I, I, I relate to your your journey. I, I definitely found that that was one of the toughest things to to cope with, is not being someone who was particularly confrontational before. Um, and so, you know, and, and generally speaking, people don't tend to confront each other on their kind of ethical position on things in day-to-day kind of society, at least uh, at least perhaps not in British culture too often. It's not a, not kind of the done thing, if you like, to sort of call somebody out on why they're doing something or why they, you know, choose to go to church or whatever they choose to do. It doesn't tend to, to be something that's called out. So it, I, it, I definitely relate to that sense that that felt, actually one of the most difficult things that almost the, the sorting out my own nutrition and all the rest of it was kind of, well, that's fine. Um, but suddenly being questioned in a way that I'd not been used to, especially, at, you know, at your lunch table at work or whatever it was, was very, very unique. Uh, so yeah, yeah, totally, totally relate to that kind of experience. Thinking about um, Veganuary this year, 
you know, for 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 folks who are kind of in that in that space as well. And you you obviously have had a a, a background in loving cooking um, for for one. And one of the things that kind of concerns me that I often talk to people about because I'm just kind of intrigued as to people's perspective, particularly people who who cook, is your view on the amount of kind of convenience-based products that are that are vegan right now, and particularly when we look at veganuary, often the the sort of supermarket shelves have got segments dedicated to veganuary that have you know a number of prepared products and this that and the other on and i i, I sort of i on one hand i battle with i think it's great and it's progress and you know all these kind of these kind of things that you could say that it is and on the other hand i think they're often very expensive um compared to their omnivorous alternatives you know because those are being subsidized and all kinds of other reasons but on the on face value they are they are more expensive and sometimes not even particularly great for you. At least if you were going to eat them all the time, you know they're quite they're nice products, but it's, you wouldn't eat the you wouldn't eat the processed omnivorous version all the time. So, you know, why would we eat the vegan version? And I sort of worry for for folks who are kind of coming into it that they they see that that is veganism. So and so that's what they have to do. What's your kind of advice to to those folks who perhaps aren't in love with with cooking initially? Uh, and have just come to it and, you know, in, they're in their supermarket. Yeah, that's an interesting one because I think, you know, that the sort of ethical uh, vegan side of me thinks that the more people are eating, uh, you know, vegan food, the better because the fewer animals are being slaughtered and the better it is for the environment, etc. However, like you say, if those items are heavily, like, ultra-processed, um, contain, often contain a lot of, I mean, if, if the the ingredients list is you know a paragraph long then you know that it's probably not something that you would have made at home um and probably not particularly good for you either um i think Mm. there's a healthy balance to everything i think if you sort of look at what you did eat when you were an omnivore um if you're if you're planning to to make the switch to Mm. vegan have a look at you know trying to create alternatives to and, and whole whole plant food based alternatives to as much as possible as, as you can um, mm. and I mean maybe it will be an opportunity to actually start spending more time in the kitchen if that's not something that you've, you've really done before it might actually be an opportunity to take up a new and a new and interesting passion um, and you know I find the foods that, that I enjoy the most are the foods that that I've cooked and that I've cooked with love and passion and, and having spent a bit of time researching in advance etc um, but I appreciate that's not for everyone. I think there are also a number of um, of kind of half uh, meeting halfway opportunities there. So things like you know Mindful Chef and All Plants, mm. um, whereby you you kind mm. of don't have to do the full effort of of cooking something entirely from scratch and doing the shopping and, and creating the shopping lists and buying individual items but you still get the end result, the end meal, which is a lot healthier than something, you know, probably a processed ready meal, for example. Um, so that there are just so many options out there. I think, you know, take the opportunity to, to try and get into cooking, but also just think about the balance that you've got there in terms of what you would have, how much processed food you would have eaten before going vegan and whether that's a similar amount or whether you're kind of maybe veering a bit bit too much towards the, the ultra-processed stuff. 
Um, and I suppose on the price as well, like you say, it is a shame that, that things are slightly more expensive. I, I do wonder sometimes whether it is a sort of capitalisation on the movement um, mm. and, and, and the kind of perceived demographic. Um, or like you say, there will, there will be other things at play, like subsidies subsidies for um, for animal produce. But I think it's, as with everything in life, it's a, it's a balance. And just be kind of thoughtful and mindful of... Um, you know what you're putting in your basket whenever you're doing that that weekly shop I love that point about thinking about how much of your diet before was processed I think that's such a good piece of advice it's a solid piece of advice because I think um, I probably made the uh, initially uh, uh, I wouldn't even say initially actually I'd say initially actually I was pretty I was pretty good at cooking things and then uh, probably I started to discover processed and then went a little bit down that path for a while um and started to think this is actually pretty expensive i'm spending quite i mean i was i was fully committed to doing it but i was kind of like you know overall my weekly shop is more expensive and things like that and um i think that would have been a really good thing for somebody to have said to me at the time was think about how much processed you ate before versus how much you eat now and and then you know, go go back and and adjust that that balance. I think that's a really important one to to call out. I mean, I, I worry about these things from the point of view that they they will ultimately lose people. You know, they they'll get to the end of January and then they'll think, how oh, do you know what? I I thought that I was going to get all these amazing health benefits, but I ate a ton of sugar and fat. And you know both of which can be perfectly vegan, and um, and I'm also a lot poorer than I was to begin with, so I'll I'll give that up. So I and and I think again you raised the point about um, businesses capitalising on it, and and again I flip I flip flop between you know it supply and demand is good, so on and so forth, and and that argument again that people will will be turned off it and so I kind of think it's incumbent upon us within the vegan community I know Veganuary as an organisation do a great job in this space the vegan society do as well uh, um, talking to people about about cooking you know the, the vegan chef school etc talking to people about what a healthy um, a healthy vegan diet could look like um, just to help people along that kind of journey it might be less profitable for the supermarkets and the big companies but it's far more sustainable you get the benefits of the health you'll get the price you know tin of chickpeas versus a steak much, much cheaper all those kind of things that we know about when we're a little bit further down the line so I love that piece of advice I think it's a it's a really sound one on, on that sort of note of advice we, we've obviously talked about um, you know folk, folks if you like who are omnivorous sort of coming at you with their kind of uh, their challenges over the lifestyle. But one of the other kind of impacts of turning vegan, I don't know if you felt this, is that you want to you want to shout it from the rooftops. You feel like the uh, the scales have been pulled from your eyes and you suddenly like see the the world for what it is. You, there's often often the kind of matrix red pill blue pill kind of uh, um analogy is is used within the sort of uh, the quote unquote vegan community. Um and I went through a, a bit of a period of 
uh, I need to kind of like aggressively push this message and kind of almost give people a sort of a, a shake, if you like, not a physical one, I hasten to add, but a, a bit of a shake into reality and show them and, and, and so on and so forth. Was that an experience that resonated with you at all? And if, and, it, and if it did, or even if it didn't, what would your kind of advice be to people who are kind of feeling some of those thoughts about wanting to share the message, but not necessarily feeling comfortable in how to do it? Yeah, so I suppose, like you say, one of the things that sort of naturally happens when you become vegan is that you, you realise just how how reasonable it is a change to make and, and that it doesn't deprive mm. you of, of anything. But the difference that you are making as an individual is, is huge. It's one of the biggest things you can do um, in terms of your individual impact on the environment. Um, and then, of course, you know, if you're vegan for the animals, then it speaks for itself, really. Um, yeah. But I think talking about it, in terms of the animals and the environment, I found people a bit less receptive to than talking about health. And I think people who've watched like Game Changers, for example, I mean, a load of people who previously to having watched Game Game Changers, they were kind of anti-vegan, didn't see the value in it, didn't really seem to care about the animals or the environment mm. very much. But having watched that and putting it in the context of themselves, um, just completely switched, the, switched their changed their minds. They ended up incorporating a lot more plant-based food into their diets etc so i think i think if you're going to shout it from the rooftops i think maybe just kind of know your audience and know um mm. what's going to appeal to them the most because you can you can flog a dead horse with talking about cruelty um and when people have got that cognitive dissonance that they just don't they just don't want to accept it they don't want to hear it and they will kind of fight your argument to the end um but if you make it about them and the benefits to themselves um, then I suppose to us, if more people become vegan, the better. It doesn't matter their personal reasons yeah. for it. So I suppose my advice would be know your audience, know what it is that will appeal to them about the vegan diet. And if that is that, you know, it will be much, much better for their health and fitness, then that might be a, an, an angle to kind of approach it with. Super sound advice that, you know, and... and just sound advice generally, like you know, know your audience and understand who you're talking to and what what buttons it it will push for them personally. Um, you know, I think we all once we're in the in the sort of quote unquote community, we we see all these different angles and then think, well, any one of them is a good enough reason because we're kind of deep into the 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 understanding of it, if you like. Any one of them, whether it's environmentally environmental health or certainly animals, is is like you say, it's it's apparent why you would why you'd need to make this shift. So it can be a bit. Um, it feels a bit odd, almost having to think about well, why wouldn't somebody care about you know the life of a, another sentient being? Why wouldn't somebody care about you know planetary uh, disaster and climate breakdown? You know, it's, it feels so obvious, and you can get these moments of frustration when when you know there's something in this kind of zeitgeist. It's popular, like. Uh, you know, don't look up is a good example. Where it's, you know everyone's talking about climate change and you know what, what can we do and this kind of stuff. And you, you, as you say, the single biggest thing we can do uh, is to adopt a, a plant-based diet and essentially go vegan. And um, and yet the two, somebody can watch that that film and be told that information and still put up a barrier in between them and say, well, yeah, but I'm not going to personally do that. I mean, <laughs> you know, somebody needs to do something, but. I don't need to do that. <laughs> you know, it's uh, 
it can be frustrating. So I, I think it's a really you know valuable sort of piece of advice to think about it from you know from their perspective and and you think about yourself before you went vegan and you know would everything have resonated with you you know when you were loving steaks and sushi and so on <laughs> would it would it have all resonated with you at the time maybe not so yeah it's kind of treating people with the same kind of empathy we would have expected to have been treated with ourselves i guess yeah exactly super stuff well look time's time's getting on Jules and it's been um, it's been a fabulous chat and i think we've uh, We've uh, hopefully inspired some folks to to take on Veganuary if they're thinking about it. And I guess if they're listening, they probably are already along the the journey. So they've got some good, uh, good, solid advice. It sounds like your Instagram is a good place to start for a bit of inspiration. So I want to make sure that folks know whereabouts they can go and uh, go and take a look at some uh, some of your amazing dishes. So where where can folks find you? Yeah, great. So it's basically a, a pictures of everything I've, I've cooked or eaten over the last couple of years um, so hopefully some inspiration on there so my Instagram handle is it's a bit of a nod to super bad plants in and around my mouth <laughs> amazing Jules thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you I'll speak to you again all right thank you so much This is a Bloody Vegans production.